In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, hello and welcome into the Retirement Pathfinder. Glad to have you on the show today as we open up the mailbag once again and get your questions. We always appreciate your feedback and want to thank those who have sent in questions for us to feature on the show today. We're joined as always by Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky, Retirement Income Planning Specialist at Pathfinder Wealth Management. Welcome in. How are you today? We're doing well. We're doing great. It's it's um, summertime. It's hot, and I'm not complaining. <laughs> That's right. We could talk about 110 degrees down Ooh. in Texas and Arizona and California, oh, yeah. but it's dry heat. It's dry heat. Yeah, yeah right. Twenty something. I saw somewhere where um, people that were making their way out to either Arizona or California, I don't remember, but the desert because they were expecting like record heat, like 130, 140, and people were actively going there to experience that record-breaking heat. And I was just thinking, I, I, I could really, there's a lot better mm-hmm. things to do with my time than to go out oh, and experience my goodness. that. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I could pass on that myself. Yeah. So bad, but, um, <laughs> but I'm glad you both are doing well. I, I'm going to hop into our mailbag in just a few minutes, but we haven't caught, caught up with Phil in a few episodes on the farm. So we got to get an update. What's going on out there? Well, I'm going to title this uh, this particular farm report "The Plague of Frogs," and I'm sure most of our listeners are are very familiar with the with the biblical story of the children of Israel and and the plagues. And of course, one of the plagues was a plague of frogs, and uh, that uh, that they God put against the pil- the people of Egypt. Um, so I recently went down to our farm pond, which we created a few years ago, and the farm has always been, or the farm pond has always been real clear. Clean water, but we had, I guess, a um, kind of a spring flood that uh, took a lot of the um, runoff water from the fields, went into the pond, and a lot of phosphate there, and it just created a lot of a lot of plant and weed growth. And so, along with this uh, plant growth, I noticed that there were frogs, but I didn't realize how many frogs there were. There were thousands of frogs hmm. in this pond, and the pond's about one acre. It's not that big. But I'll tell you what, Ben, they were frogs as big as dinner plates. They oh were wow. <laughs> they were big and aggressive too, thinking I thought, well, I'm gonna get bit, right? So um I didn't get bit, but you know, when I raised my uh staff to and commanded the frogs to leave, they they didn't leave. Um so, <laughs> there's too many of us compared to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not Moses and I couldn't command them to leave. But so uh it's a it's a real puzzle because I don't know how the frogs got there in the first place. I didn't know why there's so many. And so I don't know how to get rid of them. So if any of our listeners knows the answer to those questions, just give us a call and, and let us know your experience. I hate to see, I, I don't want to kill them all off at one time. Can you imagine the 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 stench that would occur oh from God. thousands of frogs died in that one little pond there? I, I, I hesitate to, and I don't want to kill the frogs off anyhow. Yeah. You know, they're kind of good for the environment. But that's the uh, farm story for the day, the plague of frogs. Hmm. That's pretty wild. That's a crazy story. I, I had a, a couple of years ago in our house, and we're kind of backed up against some woods, but we had a, a spring where there were just a ton of baby frogs. Like every time we'd go outside, we'd see 15 or 20 hopping around the yard. I haven't seen them the last mm-hmm. couple of years, but yeah, it makes you wonder like where they come from all of a sudden and, and how they kind of pop out of the blue and then disappear again. So yeah, really exactly. odd. Especially when, yeah. Well, thanks for the update, Phil. As always, we appreciate you filling us in on life on the farm and um, still waiting for that big buck, uh, maybe down the road. Oh, 
Yeah, I, I I put my order in early this year, so we should we should see them. Very good. All right, well, you're due, Phil. <laughs> you are due. There's no question. All right, we're going to jump into our mailbag again. If you have questions for Barbara and Phil, the best thing to do is get on their calendar. You can schedule a meeting by visiting pathfinderchat.com, or you can always call 815-399-9806 to get in touch with Pathfinder Wealth as well. But we always appreciate your questions. We like to feature them on the show and. Hopefully provide a little bit of guidance. And maybe if you have similar questions, this maybe answers some things for you, clear up maybe some questions you have in your mind, but always you want to sit down with a professional to truly get the full answer for whatever your scenario is. So we'll start off with Rachel today. He says, our daughter and her boyfriend are thinking about buying a house together. Should we help them out with a down payment? And it seems like it would be more helpful to them than just getting money from us in 20 years when we die. What do you think about this one? Wow. There, there are a number of issues there that we could unbundle. We're going to stick with a few, though. Um, here are the issues associated with uh, unmarried couples buying a home together. They're legal and financial. And as the saying goes, if something could go wrong, it will. Hmm. Right. So there's a gal named Amy Fontanelle, who is a writer for Mass Mutual Insurance. In a recent article she wrote called Buying a Home Together While Unmarried, she states that one out of five millennials are doing just that one out of five hmm. they're living together and they're buying a home together as uh basically cohabitating the uh, the premises she covers the reasons why more couples are choosing to go this route before marriage the challenges and legal complexities that make this move very risky and some advice that would make it more tenable so i would encourage our listeners to read amy's article to get all the details if you or a family member are considering to cohabitate and purchase a home so let's summarize some of her findings in her writings. It says, first off, buying a home is the biggest financial commitment most people will make. And she says it's a major risk to take this social, legal, and financial plunge with someone you don't have a long-term commitment with. She cites examples of couples breaking up and either one becoming solely liable for that mortgage or the other. If the house ends up in foreclosure, not only are couples individual their individual credit standing jeopardized, but mom, in this case, Rachel and her husband could lose their funds as well. Rachel and her husband are really considered secondary lenders. You know, they're going to stand behind the bank when the bank goes in for their particular foreclosure. Another point raised is how the house is titled and what if one of them meets with an untimely death? You know, you could end up having the house go off one direction or the other and never re recoup your um, original commitment. And what if they lose their job? and they can no longer carry the mortgage. There's a plethora, it's a real fancy term, plethora, <laughs> a number of other scenarios described. So Amy suggests a way to mitigate some of the risk for those in this arrangement by having a lawyer create something called a cohabitation agreement. Ben, have you ever heard of a, whole, a cohabitation agreement? No, that's something you're familiar I'm not, with? no, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, yeah it's, kind of, it's kind of a prenup for the house hmm. that covers all the details, such as who pays the mortgage, utilities, real estate taxes, uh, household expenses, and what would happen in the event of a breakup. Uh, the author says it could be also the best litmus test. Why? Because if you cannot agree on this agreement, hmm. you may not be ready to, for, to jointly own the home, good right? Point. So that yeah. could be a good <laughs> test. So Rachel, it's your call. All the evidence points us away from participating in this deal. However, if you and your husband still want to go 
follow through with the down payment, I would suggest you give them the money as a gift, no strings attached. In that way, if the couple go to Splitsville, it may lessen the emotional impact on you. So if Rachel or other listeners need more guidance on this topic, give us a call and we can go over this in a 15-minute complimentary consultation. So Barb, I know you've got some thoughts on this this one as well. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said just at the very end there, Phil. And that is, you know, if you're going to want to be nice and wanting to give them some money now for a down yeah. payment. But I guess the, the, the unknown here is that she says, should we help them out with a down payment? Well, down payment is, you know, 20% or just help them out toward a down payment. Those are, there's a big difference there, but it depends on, you know, the, the size of the home, the down payment, what they're talking about. I mean, a $500,000 home, if they're going to give all 20%, that's yeah. 100 grand. Yep. You know, are you, are you talking about just being nice and wanting to give them five thousand to ten thousand dollars just to help them out with a down payment as a gift? You know, that may not be the, a bad idea. Um, but the one answer to that question is what I say to my clients too, because some of these questions come up, and that is, you know, how much are you depleting your retirement in order to do this? Right. You got to be realistic about giving now, helping now, and you have to be realistic about your retirement years ahead of you. And sometimes we see that it's not a good idea. Well, I've seen. Uh... Many families uh, divide over these particular issues, over the money issue, you know, yeah, uh, we, where they've lent money or they've given money to kids and with the promise that they're going to get it back at some point and it never does come and uh, there's just hard feelings that follow. Sometimes it's when when clients can't really afford to be doing that. Yeah, that's, that's the worst the case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like a lot could go wrong in that scenario. Absolutely. Um, and there, you know, if you're looking to help out with that money, there's probably other ways you can do it. Give yourself a little more peace of mind, but a great question, Rachel, and we appreciate you reaching out. Hey there, just a quick break from the podcast for a moment to tell you how Barb and Phil are assisting clients every day in the office with some effective tax savings opportunities under the latest Secure Act 2.0 legislation. If you want to find out how much you could save, give them a call and schedule a free 15-minute initial consultation. Call 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com. That's pathfinderchat.com and schedule your visit with just a few clicks. We'll also put the contact info in this episode's show notes. Now, back to the show. All right, Bruce is up next, and he says, and this kind of ties into what we talked about last uh, episode, you gave a, an update on inflation and recession, so maybe this is in response to that. But Bruce says, I fear a recession, so I might stop contributions in my 401k for a while. Is this a good idea? All right. Well, first of all, let's define a recession. A recession is defined as two declining quarters of GDP growth back to back. Recessions last between two and 18 months with the average spanning about 10 months. Now, the exact timing of a recession is hard to predict, Bruce. So what you're doing when you're investing in a 401k is dollar cost averaging, in which investors systematically invest equal amounts at regular intervals, and that's beneficial in down markets. Do not stop your 401k contributions. Well, if we look at equity returns, they can be positive also over the full length of a recession. Some of the strongest stocks will rally during the late stages of a recession. Uh, this is information from the National Bureau of Economic Research. If we go back to 1950, 1950 through 2020, so for a 70-year period, the average expansion, the growth after a recession is called an expansion, is 69 months, hmm. 25% GDP growth. The average recession is a negative 2.5% GDP growth, and again, averages about 10 months. So what happens to stock markets during a recession? Well, equities lead the economic cycle by six to seven months on the way down, 
and again on the way back up. So Bruce, it's just like we can't time a sharp market downturn, nor can anyone for that matter. No one knows when we'll have a recession. Economists are now saying 2024 possibly. My advice to you is continue contributing to your 401k. Yeah, we have to remind Bruce that his job is to accumulate as many shares as he can through his 401k. And of course, you know, he wants to buy as cheaply as possible. You buy at a discount. And that's right. really what happens during the recession is that you're buying stock at a discount. So buy at a discount, not at retail, and keep investing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bruce. Uh, and again, if you missed our last episode, go back and check that one out as we talked about recession and, and the economy mm -hmm. a little bit uh, on our last episode. All right. Next up is Andy. Here's Andy's question for you. I've been told that I need to make sure I have a mortgage when I retire because that will be the only tax deduction I'll have at that point. I've been paying extra on my house to have it paid off by the time I retire, but maybe I should slow down on that plan. What do you think? Well, one of our good friends who started the largest financial planning firm in the country is Rick Edelman. And I've heard Rick say uh, on more than one occasion when asked the question, should I pay off my mortgage? He says this about himself, uh, his own personal situation. He says, even though I could pay off my mortgage, I will hold it until the day I die. And then he adds to it. In fact, I will refinance if I can for another 30 years. Well, I was shocked, you know, at his statement, you know, because our parents have told us ever since we were little kids, what, Barb? Oh, pay off your mortgage. Oh, yeah. Never hold yeah. a mortgage when you, uh, you know, when you're retired. Pay it off. So here's Rick's explanation for, you know, meaning what they call the mortgage forever advocate. He says, I don't want to tie up my money machine in a dead asset, which produces no income. He says that the money that he would use to pay off the house will produce more dividends and capital gains if it were invested. And so he says, hey, I want to stay liquid. I want that money machine to continue earning dividends and capital gains for me. Why tie it up? So my personal philosophy goes along kind of the same way. I don't want to keep my prized racehorses tied up in the stable when they were really made to be out on the track, right? You want to have your horses race. Yep. We don't want to we don't want to kill off our money machine. So uh, in answer to Anzi's question, now, by the way, I would never tell a client, you know, if they were dead set against uh, keeping their mortgage, they woke up in the middle of the night saying, Phil, you're just crazy. I want to pay off my mortgage. I say, please do it. You know, you have to live with yourself. Go ahead and pay it off. But um, but from a financial standpoint, it probably makes more sense to to hold it, especially with the type of low interest rates that we've experienced recently. In answer to Andy's question, there is often good reason to continue to pay the mortgage gradually, and it has little to do with gaining a tax deduction, by the way. We advise clients never to make an investment decision solely on tax issues alone, right? Right. Uh, you could find yourself bending down on the street, picking up nickels and dimes, right? Oh, look at that nickel. Look at that dime. And there's $20, $20 bills blowing by, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's just, you know, you could miss the big picture of what you're trying to do here. So we don't have much detail about Andy's uh, financial situation, such as investments, pensions, Social Security. So before I can give him really a more precise answer, I would suggest he give us a call so we can run something called a cash flow model for comparison to find out which way would be the best to go. And then we'll leave it up to Andy to decide. Our number here is 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com. You know what I say too, Phil, is uh, exactly what you said, which is peace of mind. You know, if if uh, we met with um, people before, some of our clients, yeah. I have to pay out this mortgage yep. because she can't sleep at night. Right. Well, you know, the number one goal is, you know, peace of mind. So then by all means do that. But I, I think in terms of, you know, people that have had two to three percent mortgage rates. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that mm -hmm. it's foolish. I, you know, I just met with someone oh, a couple months back. She had a little about maybe about a 2.4% 
mortgage rate. You know, I would slow down paying extra and let those extra dollars work for you for the reasons Phil exactly had said. But I understand paying it off. But in the meantime, just pay your regular mortgage payment so that you can have those dollars working a little bit harder for you. The tax deduction may be a non-issue if you use the standard deduction anyway. Right. But, you know, the standard deduction issue isn't one I'd consider as to whether or not to pay off your house. Andy, great question, though. And, and uh, you know, if it does make you more comfortable to pay it off, that's something you should definitely discuss with Barbara and Phil or your financial professional. You know the stock market is unpredictable, but did you know that that volatility can wreak havoc on your retirement savings if you're not prepared? Don't leave your future to chance. Let Pathfinder Wealth Management help you navigate these turbulent waters. With over 70 years of combined experience and a fiduciary responsibility since 1996, they have the expertise to guide you through market ups and downs. Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky are dedicated to educating clients and empowering you to make informed decisions. To get in touch, book a 15-minute chat with them today by visiting pathfinderchat.com and take control of your retirement plan. Don't let market volatility derail your future. Visit pathfinderchat.com or visit the link in the description of today's show. All right, we got one more question today to jump into here on the podcast, and it comes from Ellis, who says, I'm 60 and I'd love to retire right now. I know I don't have enough money to last the rest of my life, but I should get a sizable inheritance from my mom whenever she passes. She's in her early 90s, so I don't expect her to be around that much longer. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm just waiting for her to die because that's not the case at all. But do you think I'm safe to go ahead and retire with the expectation of getting money from her in the next decade? Well, Ellis, the short answer is no. (laughs) You don't want to retire on a whim. You have to have a plan in place before making that life-changing decision. My recommendation to you is to see a financial advisor that is a fiduciary, and that person will go over everything with you to consider for retiring. You don't want to count on money from your mom. She could live another 10 years. So a good financial advisor, again, that's a fiduciary, is going to look at your retirement accounts, your social security, if there's a pension, if you're married, your current health, and then crunch the numbers for risk to return, inflation, taxes, expenses, and determine when would be a good time for you to retire. If you don't have enough money now, a good advisor will be able to tell you how much longer you'll need to work before retiring and how much to contribute to your current retirement plan each year. When you retire, you have to you, you have to expect to live at least 30 years in retirement. Um, this is an area you don't want to be winging it. Uh, you have to have the confidence in knowing that you can retire. And that requires a plan. You have to have an actual plan in place. Then your mom's money, and and anyone that's a fiduciary is going to say the same thing, I would think. Then your mom's money is just the icing on the cake. But I would say, uh, Ellis, reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com. Schedule a 15-minute phone call. You you know, comes up and you just schedule your time with with our calendar. Uh, This is too too important of a question to just, you know, wing it. You know, and and worst case scenario, Barb, you know, uh, Ellis doesn't want to get uh, word from his cousin Tommy that mom changed the will and left everything to him. Right? I mean, that, <laughs> well, that, we, <laughs> that wouldn't be good either, don't right? Don't worry about that then, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that money is no guarantee. It never, there is no guarantees, right? So right, something to be yep. thinking about, Ellis, uh, in that situation. But we appreciate it. If you do want to maybe sit down and, and get a plan in place so you don't have to rely on on that hope potentially to happen, uh, you can always get in touch with Barbara and Phil. Just log on, pathfinderchat.com. That is the website to schedule a meeting with Barbara and Phil. But if you prefer to call, you can always do that as well at 815 399 
9806. If you have questions for us, again, we'd love to hear from you. Send them in. We'll try to feature them on a future episode. All right. Well, that will do it for us here on the Retirement Pathfinder. Barbara and Phil, I hope you both have a great week and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.